This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am so grateful that you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and I hope that you can get a little something from each episode of this show. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you've joined us. And if you've been coming back since episode one or five or 10, thank you so much for coming back each week. If you are new here though, and you don't know much about me, a little quick intro. Uh, My name is Lindsay and I'm the mom of four boys and we just moved from Indiana to Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been podcasting for five years now. I also host a podcast for runners called I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine, where I interview professional and elite runners, sometimes everyday runners as well. And that podcast, as well as this podcast, is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. We also have three other great shows in that network, the Up and Running Podcast, which is a news-based elite and professional distance running show, the Urban Pharmacy, which is a holistic living business mindset show. And then we have the Illuminate Podcast, which shares stories of people doing good work in the world. We also highlight lots of nonprofits over there. Okay. Well, today on this podcast, this is why you're here. Uh, This is episode 47. And today my guest is Shannon Leach. Shannon is an inspiring mom of five. All five of her kids came to her life through IVF. So she shares with us all about that process. And we also talk about battling anxiety and talking to a therapist. We talk about the crazy everyday life struggles of simply being a mom. Shannon is very much into fitness and at-home workouts. She's also a marathon runner, though. She's run the Boston Marathon, so that was fun to connect with her there. Uh, You can learn more about Shannon on her Instagram, underscore Shannon Leach, underscore. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Shannon as much as I do. She was so easy to connect with, and I am sure somebody listening to this is going to get some inspiration from this conversation. If you do love this conversation or any of the conversations you've heard on this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review on whatever app you're listening on. That is a huge help in potential new listeners finding us. And yeah, if it's helped you or you've enjoyed it, wouldn't you want someone else to do the same? Uh, So yeah, thank you so much if you've already done so and enjoy my conversation with Shannon. All right. Today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Shannon Leach on the show. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely honored to be here. I don't know how you are here. You, with five kids and like being a stay-at-home mom with five kids. Yeah, it's a, I have a babysitter right now. Actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Tell everybody how, what the ages of your kids are. Sure. So um, my oldest is six and a half. Um, she's going into first grade. Um, my second kiddo is five. 
my middle, um, I still think of him as my youngest, but he's three and a half. Um, and then I have twins that will be two in November. So they're 21 months. Oh my gosh. Okay. So how often do you get a babysitter? What is your, what is your like day to day look like with everybody? Yeah. So, um, actually we, I don't get them often. Um, this week is kind of an exception and it's someone I found through my church who's heading to college soon, which I'm really sad about because I am loving her help. But, um, I'm a nurse practitioner also. Um, and my plan had been to go back to work after six months, um, leave with my twins. Um, and my twins were born in November of 2019. Um, so pre COVID, um, and, at about two months postpartum, my manager asked me to come back at three months postpartum. Mm. Um, and my anxiety was just like sky high. I was like, okay, you know, I had six months in my mind. I did not, I mean, I wasn't sleeping. I was tandem nursing them. Um, and my anxiety was just through the roof, but I am just the ultimate, like, I don't want to let anybody down. And I knew they didn't have the coverage because someone else was going out on maternity leave. So um, we figured it out that I, it would just be one day a week. So I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, and so we did have a nanny, um, actually through the first year of the twins life, which was an absolute godsend because I don't know how I would have done it otherwise. And, um, especially with COVID cause then my parents, because they were at higher risk and my in-laws and all the things, you know, we didn't have a lot of people coming into our home. So we were so grateful that we had someone that was on the same page with us as that. But um, I went back to work for one day um, and our hospital actually had the very first COVID case in the US. Um, we, I live like a half mile from where I used to work. Um, and so I went back and I was working in a preoperative clinic at the time. Um, and it was the day that like they decided like, okay, things are really moving quickly. And so they started canceling elective surgeries, which was like the crux of what our clinic saw. Um, so then they did say, okay, you know, you can stay out the six months. We should be fine as far as coverage. And in that time, I decided that I, I didn't want to go back. Um, it was the first time after like, I love being a nurse practitioner. I love working with patients. I love, you know, like the preventative health side of things. Um, but with five kids as young as ours was, I just was feeling pulled to be home with them. And now I cannot imagine had I not made that choice, just given what the last year and a half has looked like. And even coming into kind of a second wave of COVID, I'm just so grateful that um, I can still continue to, you know, help other people, but be home with my kids. So um, as far as babysitting goes, our date nights are like few and far in between. We try to make it a priority, but um, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of hard to get anybody to take care of five kids. It is, ages. yeah. And it's hard. Like, I I'm not going to lie. It's hard for me sometimes on my own when my husband has, you know, late work meeting or whatever. And thankfully he's around a lot and like, uh, the best partner I could ever imagine um, because I couldn't do it otherwise. But it is tough to find someone that can do five. And um, my parents and my in-laws, now that everyone's vaccinated, um, they help out, you know, as much as they can and were great and took some kids so that I could actually go on a girl's trip about a month and a half ago. And so that my husband wasn't solo with all five. Um, so we do try to prioritize it and we're looking for someone for care, just, um, maybe just to help us get kids to school this um, fall because um, we're going to be in three different schools three days a week, <laughs> like three different drop-offs. 
Um, so it's just a lot of navigating. It's so hard. I mean, I, my, I'm like two years further along than you and my, my youngest is three and my oldest is, is nine. Um, but there two years ago where you are now, and then, you know, my, with my youngest, you have two of them. Like that was so hard. I, I think that like probably one of the hardest like segments of time in my entire life. And I look back now with my youngest just turned three and I'm like, I just feel like I can take a deep breath. You know, it's when you still have babies and toddlers and, and you're, uh, you're next in line is it still a toddler really? So it's like, it is so challenging. So I, I feel you, I feel you. And I didn't even do it with twins. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, like, I feel like so often moms minimize like, well, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how you do it. I feel like I'm struggling and I have one or I have two. And it's like, everybody, being a mom is just hard in general, you know, and you just get used to like what your life is and chaos and but I agree when they're younger and they need you so much, it's just tough because the two olders are a lot more independent. And like, it's like, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, oh, you know, for sure. like when your youngest, you know, gets to that three and beyond of like, they're dressing themselves and all these things. But, um, I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, I was just saying to my husband last night, it, it is so difficult, but, um, one of like the most beautiful things my sister ever said to me was, the quote of this too shall pass and but it goes both ways like the hard will pass Mm -hmm. and so just like write it out but the really beautiful moments were like last night my five-year-old is like mommy come cuddle with me on the couch and then wanted to hold my hand as we walked up the stairs and I'm like that'll change I'm gonna like start crying I know (laughs) that those things will pass too and so it's just remembering to like hold on tightly to like the beautiful moments and even the hard moments knowing that it's going to end and I'm going to miss, you know, like the middle of the night wake ups when they like the only way that they console is from you and like your breastfeeding and the things that shift and every stage is so beautiful and, and difficult in their own ways. But, um, it's, it's just a good reminder to, you know, pause in the time that you're in the season you're into and not, not wish it away. Cause I know that probably all of us look back and there's stages of each, you know, phase of the kids' lives that I wish could <laughs> continue with each stage. Oh, for sure. I know. It's like when it's so hard, like my big thing right now is our kids fight a lot. I don't know if you're in that stage yet, but my older two fight a lot, the middle two fight. And it's like, that drives me crazy. And I, and I get so angry about it. I'm like, do you want to live like this? Like you don't want to be fighting all the time. It's not fun. We all want to have fun in this house and this isn't fun. Um, and that's so hard. And I, I try to like explain to them, like, I want to enjoy this. Like, let's enjoy this. But those moments are so difficult. But then, you know, um, just earlier we were all in the gym working out and my, my six year old was on the treadmill and he stopped and asked me a couple questions and he just put his nose to my nose. And I just said, I'm going to miss you being this small because it's just so perfect and sweet. And, Oh, there's just, it's like you can feel two things at once. Like you can feel the frustration of like, everybody needs something from me right now. Why is everyone yelling? Why is everyone fighting? But also like, you're the cutest thing I've ever seen. And like, if I could just touch your cheeks all day long, I would. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. And it is really where it was just like, mom, 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 mom. I just, (laughs) I just, oh, 
But my boys, my boys especially, um, because they are only like 18 months apart right now and three and a half and five. So they're so close in age and both just, my younger is more like he gets his energy out by being physical. Mm -hmm. And so they too, like where it's like play fighting and I've like, I'm like, okay, we need a safe word. And my nephew's really into football and the Seattle Seahawks. And so he was like, how about Sherman? So now like, sometimes I like hear it like escalating and I can tell it's going there, but they don't really realize it's escalating. And I'm like, Sherman, Sherman. that's good. Does it work? So, sometimes. I mean, not always, of yeah. course, but um, I think too, cause it, it just, they don't realize like it's escalating to like, Oh, somebody's going to get hurt. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt, which is almost inevitable with you always. Know, kids. Yeah. yeah. Always. I mean, I just, just yesterday, um, I was getting ready for something. I had like another interview or something and the two neighbor boys and my son and my, my oldest two were upstairs wrestling really loud. And I would run up because I sounded like, like somebody was really hurt and I'd go up there and they'd be like, we're fine. We're just wrestling. And I'm like, are you sure you're fine? Everybody's fine. All four of you. Nobody's like to the point where they're done. Like, no, we're good. And then I'd go back down and I'd hear the screaming again. And it's so hard to decipher like, is this okay or is it too far? And do I let them just keep going until someone gets hurt? Like, I love the idea of the safe word. Yeah. And it's so important too, because it's that fine balance of like, boys are physical. They are. You know? But like, it's so funny just comparing like, my daughters versus the boys, even the twins who are 21 months, you know, my boy twin is more like, he's just like, go, 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 go. And my girl twin, Chloe, she can just sit there and play quietly. And, you know, um, but that balance of like getting out that energy, especially during COVID time where it's like, yeah, you can go outside, but like when it's winter and here, it's not like crazy cold, but it rains a lot. Where here. are you? Oh, you're Washington. Seattle area. Yeah. And so, um, just finding that balance of like, okay, <laughs> what's safe play. And then, you know, just recognizing and just paying attention as the mom, just cause they can't recognize it for themselves. I'm going to do the safe word. We'll think of something really fun. Cause honestly, oftentimes it's my six year old that's trying to wrestle with the eight, nine year old boys. And he's just not as big and you know, and he just, yeah. he, he gets upset. And so, okay. Safe words. We got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay. So have you always lived in the Seattle area? I did. Yeah. I grew up in a small town called Maple Valley. Um, and I went to the university of Washington for my first undergrad. I actually played college soccer there. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And I had always wanted, I thought initially I wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, but then, um, my aunt had actually, um, worked for the center of disease control for a long time. And she was like, have you like heard of nurse practitioners, which back then was kind of, like not well known. Um, and so she had said like, you really could go, you do anything with it. You could do, you know, public health stuff, which I thought I wanted to kind of be a part of. Um, so wanted to do nursing school, but because I was playing college soccer, wasn't able to do both at the same time we practiced at like one in the, every day. Um, and so I decided to go back to get my bachelor's in nursing and went to upstate New York, the university of Rochester. Um, 
for a program that if you already had your bachelor's, um, you could do it in three semesters instead of four. Um, and thought I was going to go on and get my master's there, but um, really miss my family. And everyone is back here mostly. Um, I have three siblings. Um, and so moved back um, and started work as a nurse before I went back to get my master's um, at Seattle University locally here too. So then where did you meet your husband along the way? Um, in Everett. Um, so he, funny enough, went to um, University of Washington as well, um, but I didn't know him there, although we um, realized that we ended up taking a class together because I don't remember how the story came about, but um, my sister is um, a high school English teacher and actually taught his sister. Um, and my sister always had this thing, like she wanted to be like to set up two people that like fell in love and got married. And <laughs> she was always like suggesting people like, you know, how about so-and-so, how about so-and-so? And, and she was like, how about that Dan Leach? He seems like he has a really good family. I loved his sister. And it took a really long time. Like he, he was not very like on top of it as far as like asking me out on a date. And <laughs> I thought I liked his friend. And so, and I was like, no. And my mom at one point was like, times have changed. You should just ask him out. And I was too stubborn. I was like, I'm not asking him out. But finally he did ask me on a date. And um, it actually was a funny story because we went to a Mariners game and I had forgotten my ID. And so when I got carded, I couldn't get a beer. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, But yeah. And just from there, it was very shortly after that I was like, this is the type of guy that I know I could marry. And so, yeah. So when along the way did you guys realize you had fertility struggles? Um, so I um, I was training actually for the Boston Marathon the year after we got married. Um, and I um, it was the year actually of the bombing. Um, I was very, very lucky that I had finished the race. Um, my family was with me at the time um, because we had met in the area um, like the family shoot basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were two blocks away. And so we heard both of them and my dad was in the air force for a while and he immediately, it was like something bad just happened. And then it was like siren after siren mm. after siren. Um, but we had decided to wait till I got through marathon training, um, before we would have kids and we wanted to be married a year, you know, and travel a bit, et cetera, kind of the same story that a lot of people have. Um, and so, um, it was, while I was still marathon training, um, I'd met with my doctor and she ran some initial tests and she's like, you know, um, let's get you through your training and then like cut back on exercise, see if that changes everything. Um, cause I actually wasn't having a menstrual cycle at the time and had it for a long time. Um, and so I, you know, finished the marathon training and they ran some tests and, she was like, we're going to have to send you to Seattle Reproductive. Um, and in a way, it was a big blessing that I was immediately referred because so many people um, go on this long journey of like, really, you have to try for a full year because it takes mm -hmm. a year on average for most women to get pregnant. And so, um, so many people go through that whole year of trying and then go through all the tests, you know, and so it can be years process. So I always say it was a little bit of a blessing that we were like immediately um, sent there. Um, and so it, I had um, my first consultation and she, they, they ran some tests and basically found out that I don't ovulate at all. So there was at no all. way. Yeah. Was that athletic induced or was that just? No. And a lot of people assume that, and that was actually really hard for me oh, because I'm sorry. 
No, no, I, I don't mean that. But it's it's just a good um, reminder because so many people often think that that's always the case. And I had such a worry of like, I'm like, do I need to like stop exercising? Do I need to gain like 30 pounds? You know, whatever. I will do anything because I, you know, wanted to change it. And my doctor was like, you could exercise zero minutes a day and gain like 50 pounds and it wouldn't change anything. And that was actually such a gift she gave to me because a lot of people would say like, oh, you probably exercise too much. And Such a common thing to say. Yeah. And, um, and it, it is actually common in female athletes to have that happen, but it, it isn't always because they don't ovulate. And that was my specific reason. Um, so we tried to, um, it's now called IUIs, um, intrauterine insemination, which most people referred to it in the past as artificial insemination. So we tried two of those and basically she's like, your only chance at getting pregnant is going to be with IVF. And so, um, we did, we ended up doing a total of three rounds, um, for all of our kids. Every single one of them is, um, through IVF and our very first cycle, um, we got three embryos and then fertility journey is really difficult. And I, for the first two, um, of my cycles, um, which was spanned over, you know, a couple years, I was very quiet about it. And I didn't really tell anybody. Um, I didn't even tell my mom, like until it was like, after the fact I'd gone through it because it's such an emotional roller coaster that I kind of had this guilt of like, I don't want to carry other, like, I don't want other people to have to feel hurt, feel the hurt that I knew that they would feel for me because they're love me and are compassionate. Um, and it wasn't that I was trying to keep it a secret, but I was just trying to protect other people. And then also the, like, I think uh, people that have had any like miscarriage or loss of the telling the untelling of mm. what you've told. So, you know, if you share yeah. early and you have to untell it is really difficult. And I didn't want to have to do that. But by my third IVF cycle, I realized that it was so lonely and dark, um, a lot of my journey. Um, and I didn't want anyone else to feel that way. And so it was finally with my third IVF cycle that I, from day one, I was like, even if it's totally unsuccessful, we get no embryos or it doesn't work. At least I'm sharing my journey so that hopefully I can help, you know, somebody else along the way. But our first cycle, actually my body was not responding well to the medications um, in the sense it was a lot slower than most people. Um, and you're giving, I don't know how much you know about it or your listeners, but um, often you're giving yourself injections in the stomach or your butt um, multiple times a day. And mine, I went longer than most people do. And my body was really slow to respond. And at one point a nurse even said to me, like, we might have to cancel. And I was devastated because you pay everything up front. Yes. Um, with our clinic. And so like, there's like the, the physical aspect is so hard because you're giving yourself these hormones and injections and, and then, you know, you're dealing with the side effects of the medications. A lot of people have, I think they didn't have a ton, but then there's the financial element. So you're so stressed because you're like, if this doesn't work, we've just paid all this money and it's, it's not for nothing, you know, but it is definitely, um, like a stressor. Um, and then just the emotional piece of it, of not knowing, like, becoming a mom was the one thing I always knew I wanted. And there was a long time that I didn't know that that was ever possible. And so the first um, IVF round, we got three embryos. Um, so my body did finally, like, we just kept going. My doctor was like, you know, we're going to trust the process and kept going and thankfully got three embryos. Um, we transferred two our very first time and neither took. And 
Um, that was one of the most like vivid days I can remember because I waited all day long for the phone call. I didn't test mm. beforehand at home, which was the only time I didn't because in future times I was like, even if it's negative, at least I want to be kind of prepared for it. And there's mixed, like people will say, don't test because the blood test is like the ultimate, you know, test of it. Um, but I hadn't tested that time. And then I got the phone call and she's like, I'm so sorry, Shannon, it didn't work. And at that moment, I thought I'm never going to be a mom. And I went into a lot of, you know, depression and anxiety and that kind of carried through. Um, you know, I've learned recently that infertility is considered um, a trauma. And so a lot of people, like I just, for anyone that's going through it, knowing that it's really normal to um, feel sadness and hurt and depression and anxiety over it because it is a really hard thing to go through. Um, but we had one embryo left and that is my oldest. And so then we went through two more cycles and um, we got three the second time as well. Um, and we transferred two um, that first time and one stuck and that's Jameson, my um, second oldest. And then the third of that round was Madden. Um, and then we decided, we had always said we wanted three or four kids. My husband has two siblings. I have three. And so we did decide to do a third IVF round, um, ended up with two embryos and we transferred both. And those are our twins, Camden and Chloe. <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of people ask like, oh, wow, you transferred two embryos. I mean, and we did it three times, which a lot of times they actually recommend just one because of the risk um, for multiples. And um, my twin pregnancy was considered like higher risk because um, there's risk of, you know, premature labor and um, premature babies and high blood, like all these things. There's a lot more risks when it comes to um, multiples um, during a pregnancy. But we had always just felt really strongly about doing it. And, you know, I don't know, in my heart, I always kind of felt like twins were meant for my family, whether it's because fertility treatment, it's more often. And so well, it was still a shock when we found out we were pregnant with twins just because it had never been twins before. Um, we always knew it was a possibility too. And and now I honestly, I it's so fun. I love being a twin mom. I love the twin mom community. And I cannot imagine if we only had one of them. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure. How old are they right now? 21 months. Oh yeah. I'm sure it's so, so challenging, but I say that all the time. I'm, I look at my younger ones and I'm like, what if there was two of you when I see <laughs> other twins? Cause it's, they're just, they're so cute. Like little, little, like two year olds that are, are yours identical? No, you have boy, girl, boy, girl. Yeah. So fraternal. Oh my goodness. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Beam for supporting this episode of the podcast. I don't know about you, but getting a good night's sleep has been something that I've had a hard time coming by since I had kids nine years ago. And I have found a nightly drink that helps me sleep better. It has a delicious blend of sleep enhancing vitamins, minerals, and nano hemp in the drink. And Beam is the company, that's B-E-A-M. They create the highest quality functional supplements for better balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. And this is their dream blend. That is what I'm talking about. It is a powder and I just mix it up with hot water. I put my 
tea kettle on and warm up my water and mix that up. And it is such a relaxing nightly routine that I do every single night now. And then I also want to tell you about their hydration line. I have looked for a good hydration line for a very long time. So when I found their Elevate Recovery Mix, I was so excited because I've never found a like electrolyte replacement drink that I loved. So they have a line, they have a Balance Probiotic Mix, which is an electrolyte mix. They have a Recovery Mix, that's my favorite. It has a fresh lemon taste. And then they also have an Energy, an Elevate Energy Mix, which you would take like before a big workout or something like that. Um, but my go-to is definitely the recovery because it is so hot and I'm running four or five days a week right now and I will always drink one of their recovery blend drinks after my runs. Um, it has a hydrating electrolyte powder formulated with non-GMO collagen peptides and BCAA for supportive joint and muscle health. It tastes like rejuvenating fresh lemon. So check out the Dream Blend, get yourself some good sleep and also make sure you're getting very hydrated, especially if you're getting that midday workout in or morning workout in and you're sweating a lot in this heat and humidity. Go to beamtlc.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, 1-5. That's Lindsay15 at checkout and you will get 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Yeah. Walk us through like how you managed your feelings when you thought, I mean, okay. So when I was like 26 or 27, I don't know, I got off birth control and I went to this doctor and they, she diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome and like out of like one blood panel, pretty much no ultrasound, nothing. And prescribed me all these crazy drugs. Like it was insane and it was stupid on my part I she she was a gynecologist she was not an OBGYN though and I took the medicine for like three or four months and my mom was like you need to go get a second opinion like I do not think you have polycystic ovarian syndrome Um, because I didn't have any of the other symptoms or characteristics or anything like that I just wasn't getting my period um, for after I got off birth control so I went to another doctor and he prescribed like more of a medication that just induced my period and I did have cysts on my ovaries but anyway my body ended up working itself out but in that moment and this was a very small part of my life and I never endured IVF or anything like that um I did have two miscarriages though I remember those feelings like what if I what if I can't biologically have my own own children and and that's a really like it's like you're grieving it before it's even happened Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us about how you walked through that. Yeah. Um, and it's so true because there's all the emotions and a lot of times people say, Oh, well, if it's meant to be, or, you know, why don't you just adopt? And when, when you want so desperately to try and carry your own baby to term, um, those are really hard things to hear. Um, but you do have a lot of those doubts of like, what if I'm never like never a mom? And I had a ton of guilt because I felt like I honestly like said to my husband, like, would you have married me if you had mm-hmm. known? I thought like, would he have wanted to marry me? Like, what if I never make him a dad, you know? And um, all these things. And because it was like my diagnosis, I carried a lot of guilt with it. Um, and honestly, the only thing that kept me going a lot of the time was 
me connecting with other people that had been through it. Um, and just trying to hold as tightly onto hope as I could. Um, and I know that sounds like cliche and it's so hard when you're walking through times of darkness and turmoil. Um, but I always wore something like my sister gave me a bracelet that said there is always hope. And with every IVF cycle, I wore something, um, that I could tangibly touch or like whenever I was anxious. And actually this is one that I wore for the last two. It, it just um, says faith um, inscribed in the I, the first Irish written language because before my third, um, we were, took a trip to Ireland and it was kind of our last hurrah. And um, anyway, I just having a small amount of people because I had joined a support group through our fertility clinic. But like I said, I didn't know a lot. And now, when because I've opened up so much on social media, I realize it's so incredibly common. It's one in eight um, couples struggle with infertility, which is huge. One in four have experienced miscarriage, which is, you know, a devastating loss. Um, and so I am just so grateful that I was able to connect with so many others, even after the fact, because even when it worked and I had one, um, everybody has a vision for their life and their family. And maybe it's three kids, maybe it's one kid, maybe it's, you know, 17, um, probably not 17. But, <laughs> um, if, if it's not going the way that you planned, it's still hard and difficult. And so, you know, a lot of times too, you'll hear like, oh, well, at least you have the one if it doesn't work. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm so grateful, like so grateful. And I, I am so incredibly blessed because we had eight embryos and we have five children and mm -hmm. that's kind of unheard of. Um, and I still carry a lot of like guilt that it worked so well for us when there's so many people that are still struggling. Um, I, it's just infertility is so unfair. It really is um, in a lot of ways. And I don't say that to be like, oh, woe is me. But for other women who are still struggling mm -hmm. right now, who aren't yet moms, um, that unknown and uncertainty of will I ever become a mother is really, really difficult. And so I think the important thing is just to surround yourself with people that are going to be able to like keep that little light of hope and, um, alive when, when you can't, cause there was times where I was, you know, convinced it would never work. And my husband was, you know, <laughs> that force of like, this is going to work, you know, and, and staying positive and then just being able to connect with others who are going through it. Um, I honestly think I probably should have started therapy when I was going through the journey. I think that would have been so helpful. Um, I did actually, I, I have a psychologist now that I started seeing about a year ago um, for a variety of reasons. And it's probably one of the best things I could have ever done for myself. Um, and I just think that, especially with the infertility journey, it is, it is really hard and, um, to make, let other women know it's okay to feel like upset and guilty and frustrated and all the things. Um, but just know that getting help and the support you need to enable you to keep that hope alive so that you can keep trudging forward, um, until hopefully they become a mom themselves. Do you feel comfortable talking about like what was the final straw that enticed you to go ahead and see a psychologist? Yeah, I totally feel comfortable. Um, just a lot of things. One, um, I think the IVF, I never really like addressed mm. how difficult it was. I think it was just something I like 
pushed down. Um, and then, um, I have just dealt with anxiety, um, my whole life. I, I didn't really like recognize it as that. Um, I just thought like, you know, I deal with a lot of stress and, and five kids and then we lost our nanny and there was the pandemic and just, uh, just a whole cascade of things where, um, you know, my psychologist now is like, if you live with anxiety long enough, it'll eventually become depression. And, mm. um, I just had a few moments like early last year that I would just break down crying. And a lot of people would be like, well, yeah, like your kids are young. It's hard, you know? And it was like after they had nap, but like where I'm like sobbing on the ground, you know, cause I'm so tired. And I was like, this, this isn't normal. Like this is not normal. Um, and the sad and scary thing is, is that I think so many people are actually going through a lot of that right now, just because of light, like parenting is hard. Motherhood is hard life is hard. And then you throw a pandemic on it and like political turmoil and like all the things. <laughs> um, and you're trying to like, everything right now is affecting like the decisions you make for your family. And, um, so I just knew that I, I needed, you know, some more help. And, um, it really is, I think everybody should have a therapist. Honestly, I, listen to this great podcast. It's, um, Craig Groeschel and he is the life church guy. And he was talking about, he's like, I'm not ashamed to admit I have a therapist. He's like, we could all use unbiased, like educated people that like, this is what they do. Um, again, just because we all, we all have, you know, fires that we walk through. And, um, it, sometimes we just need support from people that, have experienced it and helped others through similar circumstances. And, um, you know, my hope is in, in sharing a lot of my journey and story that if other people are struggling, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm not a therapist, but when you share your own experiences and hardships, um, it enables people to see like the light at the end of the tunnel and the hope that they too can walk through what they're going through because they see that someone else has been able to do it, you know? Oh man, I like, I know I need to be in therapy for my own anxiety and I, I don't know why I just don't do it. I think it's, I was actually just thinking about this yesterday in the kitchen. I was like looking around feeling like frazzled, you know, with anxiety, it's like one minute or one day you're totally fine and you're like on cloud nine and life is great. And the next minute you're like, I'm going to die tomorrow. Like just, just demons in your head. And I think I'm scared to to do it because I'm like afraid of the work it will un take to unpack all the things that need unpacked. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a lot of work and a lot of stuff unpacks and it's harder before it gets easier, mm -hmm. you know, but I think as women, as moms, as everybody, we often push stuff down. Um, and I think too, like we went through some stuff, but I was pregnant with twins. And so I just buried it. And yeah. then I yeah. would, you, and then you're in the crux of like postpartum and so you bury it and you bury it. And, um, you know, so many struggle with like postpartum depression anyway, cause there's like so many changes, but I also do think it's so important because, um, until you like work through it, you can never really get through it. Um, but I agree there's, there's days where I'm like, Oh, I'm totally fine. And then other days where you're just like, I would get paralyzed by my to-do mm -hmm. list and it would be like, not even the things that were a big deal. And I, I literally couldn't even like, I didn't know where to start with like, should I clean the house or should I work on that project? You know, because I was just so overwhelmed. 
Um, and I'll be totally forward that I actually started on an antidepressant um, this spring. It was something that I never thought I would do. I know that there's still a stigma about it. And I am trying to dismantle that yes. stigma. Yes. Because mental health is often an imbalance of hormones. And um, it has, it took a while. It does take a while. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and I'm on a very low level of one, but I feel like a different person. Like, I feel like I've really just turned a corner in the last few months. And I think it's a combination of therapy and medication. And, and I'm not saying that medication is the answer because I am a huge proponent of like, do all the things you can do first, good nutrition, exercise. Like I actually, um, just wrote up a post for today where I'm talking about like, exercise was the drug that kept me going like before I decided therapy was a good answer for me um and I did therapy and just exercise for a very very long time before I even um you know considered medication or my therapist didn't even necessarily recommend it in the beginning um because it isn't for everybody and it's not necessary for everybody but sometimes you just need a little bit more help, but exercise has always been the one thing that I, I, I can control. And again, I think a lot of it goes back to my infertility journey of like, that was one thing I absolutely could not control. And to be someone that likes things very linear and I'm like type A personality. Um, I think that's where a lot of my anxiety stem from is because I, I lost control in that area. So, um, then I tried so hard to, just control the things that I could knowing that there is a lot. And I, I mean, it applies to today and motherhood of like control the things you can like self care and like taking time for you as a mom, um, whether that's just seeing friends going for a walk or like a shower an uninterrupted shower, reading a good book or getting your toes painted or, you know, going for a long run, whatever it is, because um, it's so critical that we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that you're taking that because I do think there is still a stigma, which it's it's changing. I mean, we're definitely talking about it more. You know, my doctor has prescribed me an antidepressant before, and I think I took it for like two days and then got scared about it for some reason. But yeah. I think one of the kickers for me was that they're like, oh, it'll take about six weeks to kick in. And I'm like, well, in six weeks, I'll probably be fine on that day. You know, it's it's that anxiety thing, that up and down. And she's like, yes, but the point is, is that the ups and downs aren't so extreme. And there, if we can kind of balance things out. So, um, you know, I totally like, totally feel in this conversation because these are all things I've like walked through and thought through in my own life. And, um, I'm sure that there's somebody listening that needs to hear like, this might be what you need to do. Yeah. And like I said, it's not, you know, it's not for everybody, but I think the first step is if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or overwhelm or stress, I mean, it's so easy to just be like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm working a lot and the pandemic and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but you still shouldn't have days where you're just crying for no reason or like your anxiety is so high that you don't want to do anything or don't even know where to go. Like that's not normal. Um, the sad thing is, is I think more people are struggling with that now more than ever. Um, but again, it's sometimes hard to admit that. Um, but I think the best gift you can give yourself is saying like, okay, I, I need to do something for me. And maybe that's starting an exercise program. Maybe that's just 
telling one other person like, Hey, I'm struggling and it's a friend. And he's saying like, can you be my accountability person? Like if I'm having a really hard day, like just knowing someone else that you can turn to. Um, cause really so often we keep it to ourselves and we want to pretend that everything's okay and we have it all together and that we can do all the things, but we shouldn't have to. <laughs> um, and maybe therapy is the option or the answer. And um, mine's been all virtual, which is amazing and awesome. Cause I think too, it was the type of thing where I was like, I don't, I don't have time for that. Right. You know, but at the same time, we don't, we don't have a choice because like when it comes to our mental health and being the best mom that I can be, I am, I feel like I'm such a better mom. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm not my, I'm not myself. Like I'm not my like happiest self, like my, who I know I am typically. Cause I just had this like overwhelming, like the anxiety was causing me to just be, you know, down more often. And I wanted my kids to have like me that I know that I am. Um, and I feel like, they have that now, you know, and it was, wasn't a long period of time that way, but I think we, the people around us deserve the best of us, but we also deserve to feel, (laughs) you know, the best. Yeah. And when the anxiety is high, I'm so short fused with my kids. Oh, so short fused. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. And I've learned so much through therapy, but like she talks about like your tank being full, um, and kind of where like your, your anxiety level is at. Right. And if your anxiety, your kind of baseline is up here, anything little is going to like feel catastrophic where is like, if my level's down here uh-huh. on a given day, because I've exercised, I've slept well, I drink water, like all, things that are like seem so insignificant, but like, if you actually look at like, okay, when are the times that I'm least patient with my kids? If it's been a bad night's sleep, if you're, you know, like you've had a a couple things that have been overwhelming, like your, so your stress is higher and it filters into everything else where it's like, you know, the messy kitchen is like unmanageable. Whereas on another day you'd be like, I don't care. Like that can wait. Or like your kids, are doing the exact same thing they did two days ago that didn't bug you at all, you know, and you, you manage it better and like talk them through it instead of like snapping, you know, too quickly because you're like, you just don't have a lot of reserve, you know? And so that's something that I've learned too. And in, in going to therapy and, you know, just having my anxiety managed better is that I am way more patient. And it's not to say I don't yell at my kids. I think every parent does and <laughs> we lose our patience, but, um, that, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right when it's, when it's high or you're like really having a hard time as far as like depression or whatever, everything else feels like such a big deal when it, it wouldn't otherwise sometimes. Isn't it so interesting? I don't know if your husband and you are like this, but I swear on like the days that I am like calm, cool and collected and like the kids could be doing like something that they shouldn't be doing. I could like very calmly and in my positive parenting ways explain to them why, you know, X, Y and Z. They shouldn't do that. And my husband's yelling and then vice versa. I'm screaming and he's like, why are you freaking out so much? It's like we I'm like, can we both be calm on the same days ever? Yeah. Yeah, there are some times where we're both calm, but I would say it's it's the perfect balance because it's like sometimes where I'm like, I can't, and I'm like, I'm going upstairs, you know, because yeah. he's dealing with it better. Or like I'm nursing in the other room and I can hear what they're doing and, and I'm like, 
go just leave. I like, I'm okay. I got this, you know, because it just is things tick you off at different times. So weird. Yeah. And that's why we're so lucky to have good partners of like the balance, but yeah, being both common at the same time would be nice. And I know that happens, but when you have four or five or however many, it's just, it's inevitable that kids are hard and they push buttons and they know they can, but it's just how they learn and grow. So yeah, I mean, if I could stand on a mountaintop and scream anything to like our our country, it'd be like, move your body 30 minutes a day, Yeah, you know, get the sleep if you can get the sleep and then go talk to someone if you need to go talk to someone. Like those are three things that like everybody needs to hear. I mean, we would just be such a happier culture if those three things were were managed. Totally. totally. But the sleep thing is so difficult because you can't control that. A, as a parent, but B, like, I I suffer from insomnia some nights. Like, it's so random when it pops up. It just yeah. pops up and you're like, well, here I am right awake. This is great. And so, you know, like last night I slept good, but two nights ago I slept terrible. Not one of my kids came in the room and bugged me, but I still slept terrible. Um, and you just wake up with a short fuse because you're grumpy because you know you didn't sleep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I will have to say anxiety plays a role in that insomnia. Oh, for sure. And a lot of times where I'm like, I don't even realize it until it's like a week later. And I'm like, oh, those few things were going on that were stressful that I wasn't even realizing it, but subconsciously you're processing it all. And because I've dealt with some insomnia as well. Um, But yeah, it is really hard, especially like when you're a brand new mom and moms are like, well, thanks. Like, tell me I need sleep. I would love sleep. Yeah. I saw this really funny quote yesterday that was like, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. Yeah, exactly. I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, you could fall asleep anywhere, any time of day. Doesn't matter. Like anytime he lays with the big boys to like fall asleep at night, he'll be asleep in five minutes. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, this has been fun. I'm going to wrap up with some end of the podcast questions. Um, what's your what's your Instagram? Because I'm sure there are some people that want to connect with you over like some of the things we talked about. Sure. Um, it's underscore Shannon Leach. Um, okay. S-H-A-N-N-O-N-L-E-A-C-H underscore. Okay, sweet. Um, well, you're a nurse practitioner. Now yeah. you're, I know you do beach body coaching and you're stay at home mom extraordinaire. <laughs> um, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? This is a hard one, but um, honestly, I would love to travel more. Some trips with my husband, um, but also with kids. Um, I've always really, really wanted to go to New Zealand and Australia. Um, And so that's definitely on the bucket list in life. And especially because we haven't been able to travel hardly at all. And professionally, um, recently I've been getting involved more in like advocacy for infertility. Mm. And so that is something that I would like to in some realm, like I feel like that could be a bigger part of my life. Um, so from a professional standpoint, that's probably what I would say is, I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but I always said I would love to even um, at some point have a scholarship to help support um, one couple a year or something. Um, oh, kind of like so cool. Yeah. With, 
financial support. And right now what I'm involved in is trying to get insurance coverage for infertility um, because not all states have it. And I, I didn't have hardly anything. Um, my insurance didn't cover it except for like the consultation fee and a maximum of $500. And that was wiped in like a single visit. So yeah, I, I see that as a part of my future. I don't know how, but yeah, it's, I mean, it just, the financial component to it just totally takes, takes it off the table for a lot of people. Right. It's not even an option. And again, I I recently just wrote this because I wrote a letter of just my story and experience and said, we were so lucky that we could. But again, I feel so guilty that so many people that aren't simply for the financial aspect of it. And that's, it's so unfair and it, it should not be that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Australia and New Zealand, is that one you want to take your kids to? Um, so New Zealand, I would love to partially because my brother, um, took, um, when he, they had one took their kiddo and said it was actually very like kid friendly and my kids are very, when they're older, obviously, (laughs) you know, they have to be old enough where they can do all the adventures and activities. No more diapers. Yeah, for sure. Um, thankfully we're down to just two and diapers, but Um, yeah, I, you know, while it's like romantic to think about like a trip with just my husband and I, I totally think that one-on-one time with him is critical and important. And we do have some trips planned next year that'll be just the two of us. Um, I love being with my family and kids and to be experienced that and like show them different culture is so important to me too. So, um, what are your trips planned for next year? So hopefully um, with my Beachbody coaching, my husband and I will go to Dominican Republic for kind of a rewards trip. Um, And then his work um, has kind of a rewards trip also that it's going to be in Pebble Beach, um, but actually will fall on our 10th anniversary. So we'll extend it a little bit, but it's it's hard to take any trips. Like, it's like, okay, we'll send some of our kids Uh to my some of our kids to my in-laws and, you know, and then school and all the things. And so sometimes around like, it's just not even worth it. But, um, we are taking a trip just, um, across the state in two weeks and it's our first actual like family trip, um, to, it's called Lake Chelan in Washington and has a big lake and there's like water slides and, um, my parents and in-laws are coming. Oh, perfect. Um, There's a lot of like wineries there. And, um, so I'm super excited because it just like the last year, you know, we haven't, done much at all um so I'm really looking forward to it yeah I totally the logistics of getting child care when you have so many kids because like when we had two kids it's like okay two kids people can take two kids like my mom you know once you get to four that's when it's off the table you got to split them up when you have babies and toddlers especially now my youngest three my father-in-law actually by himself watched all three all four for three nights and four right. days awesome what a, I, he's awesome. he's 70 yeah. and he did it and I yeah I'm like it's and I can't I don't know anybody else that would do all four like that um but yeah it's it's a lot for sure yeah it is yeah <laughs> um okay what's the best most recent book you've read um so I have two. Um, Anxious People, I really loved. It was just delightful and well-written and an easy, like, flip through. I was on um, – I actually got to go on a trip um, to Arizona, and so I would started it there. Um, that was wonderful. And then Winning the War in Your Mind was one that's more like personal growth, growth development, but just really all the lies 
we tell ourselves or we like believe about ourselves of, you know, and I feel like as moms, we a lot, we're like, Oh my gosh, I, I didn't do that well enough or I'm not good enough or all the things. Um, and so it was just really eye opening. Um, and again, it's that Craig Groeschel that I like fell in love with his leadership podcast and, um, some of his sermons are just so great. Um, so those are the two most recent, both of which I absolutely loved. <laughs> okay. Craig Rochelle. Groeschel. Yeah. Groeschel. G-R-O-E-S-C-H-E-L. Craig Groeschel. Okay. I'm going to look him up. Yeah. Do you have a great. kid's book you recommend? Um, my kids love the, um, what should Danny do series? Oh, I love those. But- yeah, and um, the authors of them are so nice, so funny stories. We had What Should Danny Do, the book, and my kids love it. So for anybody that doesn't know it, it basically is Danny's a character, and it's all about um, the power, your power to choose and make the right choices. So every, like, little point, they he can choose, like, the right choice or the wrong choice. And my kids are funny because they recognize, like, what's a good choice and what's a bad choice and sometimes want it to be all the good choices or, like, I'll do all the bad, but uh-huh. they know the bad choice. Um, but it really does teach them, like, you know, what the situation should be. But anyways, the authors had reached out to me, and they were like, I don't know if you've heard of this book, but we'd love to send it to you. And I'm like, my kids love that book. Like we already have it. And so they sent me the second one in the series. And then there's a, what should Darla do? So there's a girl version and they sent that and like the capes of, you know, like the, the PTC, the power to choose. And so I, I could not recommend that more, that more like they've read it endless time. Like the pages are so warm because they just read it over and over again. And it takes you down. It's kind of the choose your own adventure like that we had as kids, you know? So yeah, we love it. Um, we love those books too. We have three of them. What should Danny do on vacation is the most, the most recent. I did not know there was a, what should Darla do? Because they've only sent us Danny since I have all boys, but, um, love that book so much. I actually just emailed them last week to see if they wanted to come on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'll have to hear that one. Yeah. So kind. And the handwritten letters they wrote, like so amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They are wonderful. Um, yeah, if you guys don't have that book yet, definitely check it out. Okay, um, do you have a trip that you've taken with your family that you'd recommend, or have you just been in the throes oh. of it for so long that trips are really hard? <laughs> so um, we haven't recently um, taken a trip, and um, I'll try to keep this brief, but my twins were exposed to two positive COVID cases oh, um, gosh. like 20, 20 days ago, maybe. We were supposed to go to our family cabin, Um with all my siblings, my parents, their, um, you know, wife and everybody, all the cousins, um, my parents are now up to 12 grandkids and we couldn't go. And my brother was visiting from Germany. And I, so I was like, so devastated. So my husband decided to take the time off last week anyway. And we did this staycation. Um, and just, we like took a ferry to this, beautiful beach and we went to the zoo that was like an hour and a half away instead of our local like 30 minute one and we called it adventure week and the kids were able to stay up later and watch shows and um and do all these things that you always like intend to do Mm -hmm. um but almost never do because they're like you're running off to soccer practices or you're doing whatever and you don't take the time to you know like actually do it especially in summer it's been beautiful weather and so we're going to try to do something like that, like a staycation every single year, because it was literally so magical. And like, 
the simple joy for kids of taking the ferry and we could actually get out of cars for the first time in like a year and a half um, and something about being on the water. So I would encourage people, like if you have a list of, or making a list of like the local things that you just like tick off, you know, from one weekend to the next, because um, it's so easy to miss like so many of the beautiful things that are so close to you because it's so close and you don't even think to do it. I love that so much. So we just moved to North Carolina and my friend also moved here like four or five years ago and um, from another state. And she told me, I love this idea so much. They on Christmas gave their kids this, the itinerary of the year or whatever. And every month they picked a different North Carolina thing to do. And some of the things were super simple, like 10 minutes down the road. Some of them were like 45 minutes, whatever. But they did something once a month. And then every quarter did like an overnight. And even if it was like two hours away or something like that. And I'm like, that is so fun and and simple to do. But I told her, I was like, I just need your plan. Like yeah. whatever you guys did, can you just give me the blueprint? Because I don't want to do the organizing and the planning. I just need to know where to go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is an awesome idea. Yeah, And it gives you something to look forward to. I think one of the things with like depression and anxiety we were talking about earlier is like if I and it's probably related to like my Enneagram number or whatever. But like if I don't have something to look forward to in the nearest future, whatever it is, I start getting like, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And I get anxious. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> um, OK, what is your last message to leave with the audience today? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I actually put on this shirt this morning. It says grace upon grace. Um, because I think that we all need to give ourselves more grace, especially as moms, that it's hard and that we're all just doing the best we can and giving other people grace too. Um, especially right now, there's so much going on where people probably have differences of opinions about things. And we all are just doing the best we can to take care of ourselves, to take care of our families and like to provide the best possible care and decisions for our families as we see it, which might not be what other people see, but just giving yourself that grace that um, your kids are loved and you're doing, you know, everything that you can and to not be so hard on ourselves because it's hard not to do that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Shannon. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was so much fun just chatting with you and getting to know you better and I'm super excited to just hear more of your podcast all right everybody thanks so much for being here today thank you Shannon for coming on the show you all go give her a follow on Instagram she's underscore Shannon Leach underscore over there we will link that in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com You can find me personally on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. You can find this podcast on Instagram. Why is everyone yelling? We have a Facebook group and page as well. You can find us there. Make sure you leave us a quick rating and review if you enjoyed this show. And you can check out Beam, our sponsor, beamtlc.com. Use the code lindsay 15 for 15% off your order. Check out their Dream Blend and their hydration line. Both very good. If you are interested in hearing from a guest on this show or you yourself would like to be featured on this show, you have something you'd like to share with the audience, please don't hesitate to reach out. 
lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com or you can reach out directly to my assistant, emma at sandyboyproductions.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a really great rest of your day and we'll see you next Tuesday on Why Is Everyone Yelling?